0: So a lot of people don't know, we have a hospital visitation team here at Northridge. It's a team of volunteers and some of our pastors who will go and visit people who are having surgeries or having illness or just need some special tender care. And it really helps Northridge to become a smaller place for them. We can pray with them. We can just laugh with them share scripture and to come alongside them during this time when they really have a need and they feel alone sometimes they call we have a family member may call us and they say someone's going in for surgery and so we know ahead of time or sometimes there is a crisis and our family member was dying and we were able to actually pray with them and they received the gospel and the salvation right there and so that was just an amazing experience to be part of to share that with them and have the family witness that. The Bible tells us to care for those who are sick and widowed and grieving and going through trials and challenges. So we're just so fortunate that we have volunteers and pastors and that the church can come alongside the individual as well as their families and really provide that time of encouragement and to come alongside people who are struggling and going through hard times. And Northridge is here for everyone wherever they are in that journey.
1: The gift of life is an amazing gift, isn't it? I, just to, to be alive, to be able to experience the beauty, the wonder, the love that, that life can offer, even the dreams and the making of dreams come true. It's, it's a gift. But if we're honest, the gift of life is often clouded, cast with shadows by the pain that we experience in life. I mean, most people really maybe begin life with the idea that life's amazing and life is a gift and life is filled with wonder, but over the course of life, more people define it as just something that hurts than anything else. Life hurts, and it makes sense. You can't live without experiencing the the pain of rejection and prejudice and hatred destructive criticism, abuse even. You can experience loss and betrayal and then the pain and the hurts that come from our own failed choices, our own failures. I mean, life just hurts. And so many have experienced so much hurt in life that their life is more defined by by the pain than by the beauty, by the loss than by the wonder. The truth is that on any given day, most people are significantly influenced by the pain they feel or the scars that they carry, that that really does become their life. But listen, God can free us from the hold hurt has on us. God can once again open the door so that we can experience what life is truly, a gift, a place of wonder, something to be cherished, something filled with light instead of darkness and shadows. But we have to experience it. The truth this weekend is simple. God cares about, he really does care about us, and he he longs to bring healing to our deepest hurts. That's That's what God wants to do. In fact, there's a profound passage in Psalm, Psalm 147, verse three. It says, he, God, heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I mean, God cares about and longs to heal our deepest hurts. In fact, you need to know the reality is God has a name for bringing healing to life's hurts. And the name is Yahweh, Rapha, and it means I am the God who heals. But if we're going to experience his healing, if we're going to experience his name in this life so filled with pain and hurt, we have to make application of it to our lives. If we're going to experience his healing, then, then we have to walk into his healing, and there are some truth principles that, that are required if we're going to do it. The first if we. If we really want to experience God's healing in our lives, then then we have to first of all just acknowledge our hurts. I mean, we have to stop pretending like everything's okay. We have to stop creating images beyond the reality. We have to stop burying it and denying it. And We have to acknowledge our hurts. If we don't, we're not going to step into the healing that he offers us. Uh, David was a a profound God follower in the Old Testament, turned out to be a king, ultimately, though he began life as a shepherd boy, and, and the Bible actually says he got to the place where he had a heart after God's own heart, but boy, he went through life's hurts. His, his life was often defined by the hurt he experienced from his own failures, and, and he tried to do what we often do. He tried to, to hide it, to deny it, to bury it. Look at how he says it in Psalm 32, verse three. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. We we can't keep our hurts hidden. It doesn't work. When we we try to bury or keep silent about our hurts or deny our hurts, it just eats us alive from within and it, it hurts us even more. It reminds me, in an odd way, of my grandmother. My grandma was a wonderful woman, but. She had some crazy ideas. Any of you have grandparents like that? It's like she was crazy in some things. Like, she never wanted to go to the doctor. I've never wanted, she did not want to go to the doctor. And I remember asking, why why doesn't she want to go to the doctor? She says, they might find something wrong. (laughs) That's crazy. That's literally. The only way you can ever experience healing and maybe go on living is if you uncover that which is wrong. And yet, the more I thought she was crazy, the more I realized we're crazy because we do the same thing in our lives. We have all of these hurts and all of these pains that define us, that keep us from experiencing the beauty that life is supposed to be, and, and we try to bury them, deny them, keep them uncovered we're living the crazy here. If we're going to experience God's healing in our lives, we have to acknowledge our hurt, and we have to acknowledge it in several ways. We have to, first of all, acknowledge it to ourselves. This is something David had to do. He, he actually thought that, yeah, yeah, I blew it, but I can get by that, and I can cover it up. It's not that big of a deal, and that's why he kept silent about what he was doing. Was, he was lying to himself about it, and he had, to, he had to finally acknowledge, no, I've really blown it this time, and I, I'm hurting because of it. Look at Psalm 32, verse 2. He says, you want to know who's blessed, who experiences the fullness of God in their life? You know, even his name, healer. It's the one in whose spirit is no deceit. We have to stop lying to ourselves. We have to stop kidding ourselves. We have to acknowledge our hurt to ourselves, start being honest about it. And then, once we can finally acknowledge it to ourselves, then we have to acknowledge our hurt, to God. David did that. In Psalm 32, 5, he says, then, God, I finally acknowledged my sin to you, and I stopped covering it up. You know, all my failures and the pain and the hurt it brought, and you did what you do. You forgave the guilt of my sin. And you see, God has the name Savior, Rescuer, Forgiver, and and when we acknowledge our sin to Him, He forgives it. And God has a name Healer when we acknowledge our hurts to Him. You know what? He does the same exact thing. He He heals us of those hurts. And if we're going to ultimately experience God's healing in our lives, then once we've acknowledged our hurts to ourselves and to God, then there's this human component that God says is at play where there's something that brings healing into our lives when we can actually have a conversation about our hurts with another person and share them with another person. And here's how I'd like to say it. We have to acknowledge our hurts not just to ourselves and to our God, but to another trustworthy person. And you might go that's it's interesting. I put the word trustworthy there because it's really an important word. You don't want to open up and acknowledge your hurts to an untrustworthy person. I've done that. It doesn't work. They come back and create even more pain and more hurt and more trouble for you. You want to Make sure the probability is this person's trustworthy. But it really does help to unleash God's healing into your lives. Look at how God says it, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. You know, Acknowledge your hurts, your failures, your, your failings to each other. And, and you can genuinely and honestly pray for each other so that you may be healed. Something that's released in God's healing when we're able to acknowledge hurts to ourselves, to God, to others. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I just want you to know, because many people don't know about this here at Northridge, this is what our care ministries is about. We have this huge care ministries at Northridge. Many people don't know about it, or if you know about it, you think it's for those special few people who really need some care. No, it's for all of us. We all need care and encouragement and support and help. We've all experienced brokenness and pain, and we all need it applied to our lives. And care ministry is huge here. It's it's a place where we can have a safe place to expose our hurts and deal with them. It's a place where we can discover that we're not alone, that there are other people right here who've gone through the same things and some have experienced healing and can come along and support us because they've already gone through it. The key is to find them and that's what our care ministry does. It, it opens up that place. And it's important to healing. I, I want to encourage each and every one of you because I know you all have stuff in your life like I do to check out our care ministries on Monday nights. There's just so many different opportunities to to find healing there, and you'll definitely find people that you can trust, and like many others, you'll find a place where you'll get help and you'll experience God's name unfold in your life, some healing. If we genuinely want to experience God's healing in our lives, then we also need, once we've acknowledged our hurt, then we need to move beyond it. We, We need to let go of our resentment. And, you know, resentment's this internal kind of slow boil anger that we retain for a long time against the hurts and the people who've hurt us in the past and it just just builds and builds in our life and once we acknowledge these hurts, if we're going to experience God's healing, we have to let go of the resentment. We have to let go of it. Here's what I want you to see. The reality is you cannot heal and hold on to resentment at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. I, I've, it's just crazy, a lot of people say, oh, I'm experiencing God's healing, and they're saying it in anger as they're trying to plan out their vengeance against other people. No, you're not experiencing healing. You're singing someone else's song, but you're not living it out. You see, you have to decide, and I hope that you'll get this, this is important. You have to decide whether getting well or getting even is most important to you. Because you can't do both. The reality is that getting even doesn't bring healing. It just magnifies the guilt and pain and takes it deeper and makes it more powerful. So, how do we let go of resentment? It is easier said than done. I mean, because resentment's kind of a natural unfolding thing in our lives. If we're going to do it, you have to know it starts with trusting God, it starts with trusting Him because you see we need to remember that God knows what's happened to us he didn't miss it he knows what's happened to us he he knows who's hurt us and we we need to trust that he'll do the right thing in dealing with it you see when we hold on to resentment we're saying I'm the only one that can deal with this issue I'm the only one that can create justice out of this problem it's just not true when you hold on to resentment you're saying I'm going to be God the Lord over this problem and that's when you create more problems. That's why Romans chapter 12 verses 17 through 19 says don't repay anyone evil for evil. Don't take revenge my friends but leave room for God's wrath for it's written it's mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord. It's simply saying God will make things right. To let go of your resentment you have to trust that he will make things right. And if you really Trust that he'll make things right. Do you know what that leads to? It leads to truly letting go of the resentment because it leads to forgiving those who've hurt us. I mean, if I really trust that God's going to make things right, that means I no longer have to be the Lord of solving this problem. And so I can forgive those who've hurt me. And when I forgive those who've hurt me, I can let go of the anger, the slow boil, and I can start experiencing the healing of God. And some of you are going, the reason I don't forgive people is because they don't deserve it. You don't forgive people because they deserve it. You forgive people because it's the only way you will ever experience healing. You, you forgive people so that they can't keep hurting you day after day after day for the rest of your life. You release it not because they deserve it. Look at what Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. There it is right there. How did the Lord forgive you? Oh, I know you're the one person on the planet who deserved it. He didn't forgive you because you deserved it. He didn't die because you deserved him to die for you. When it boils down to it, we didn't deserve to be forgiven, but we're glad we are, and and we need to forgive others. Great example, let's just look at Jesus. Uh, how, how did he not retain resentment and retain anger, even though he experienced the greatest betrayal on the, on the face of this planet? God betrayed by his creation? Well, it started with him trusting the Father. Look at first Peter 2:23 when they hurled their insults at him. He didn't retaliate. when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him, God, who judges justly. He, he trusted God He says. I don't have to fix this problem and solve this problem. I don't have to make this right. I can trust God. And and what did it lead to? Well, look at Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing as he was beat to a pulp and nailed to a cross and hanging there dying and being ridiculed because he trusted God, he forgave them. Wasn't filled with anger, experienced God's touch in his life, right? And just so you can see that people don't deserve it, and how did they respond to his forgiveness? They divided up his clothes by casting lots. They kept gambling over his stuff. They didn't deserve it, but he forgave. When we let go of our resentment, we're not letting people get away with something. God is always there to remind them of what they did wrong and he can do it in ways we never could. And when we let go of our resentment, what we're doing is we're doing the best thing we could ever do for ourselves. Because when we forgive and trust God, it's then that we can ensure that the person who's hurt us or the thing that's hurt us can't hurt us anymore because we've let it go, let go of resentment. If we genuinely want to experience God's healing in our lives, then, then we have to take another step. Once we've acknowledged our hurt and let go of our resentment, then we have to, well, we have to change the way we think. And this is important because I can acknowledge my hurt in a moment of time and I can, I can start letting go of my resentment in a moment of time, but I am going to get in all kinds of trouble in the future because my patterns are set. We're so defined by our hurt and our pain by what's gone on, that we're going to continue to habitually and redundantly make the same choices, the same mistakes, and be filled with all kinds of pain all over again, unless we change the way we think. We have to change the pattern of how we think. Jesus certainly showed us this. In Philippians 2.5, Paul writes, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And if you read that whole passage, even though he was abused and betrayed, he he didn't respond in like kind and as a result God exalted him, he actually died in our place. And we need to have his mindset. The unfortunate reality is that many of us have programmed ourselves to think in ways that keep the pain and the hurt right at the surface of our lives. We keep rehearsing the pain and hurt over and over and over again. We keep believing the lies that people told us, you know, those lies that define how we see ourselves or how we feel about the world, lies like the ones that people looked at us and called us stupid. Lies like you'll never amount to anything. Lies like if you hadn't been so bad, then I wouldn't have had to abuse you. You're the reason you got abused. You know, lies like you're worthless. Lies like the world would be a better place without you in it. And hard to imagine that these things are said, but most of us have heard things just like that. We've all experienced lies like this. And when we rehearse them over and over and over again, they destroy us. We need to change the way we think. So how do we change the way we think? Well, it starts by surrendering our lives to Christ. And think about this we have to surrender our lives to Christ instead of to the pain. We have to surrender our lives to Christ instead of to the, to the person, the memory of the one who hurt us. When we turn to Him, He can totally heal us. I'm going to say it in a funky way, but maybe it'll stick. Dr. Jesus is the only doctor who can heal life's hurts. It's about time we go to the doctor, grandma, right? I mean, really. Those of us who do best in this world have learned to cope best, but he doesn't teach us to cope. He totally heals us of the hurt. When you cope, you're living in light of the pain and hurt. When you're healed, it's gone, which is true of you? A defining passage that I use a ton because it's so defining is 2 Corinthians 5.17. I used it on Easter with the caterpillar butterfly metaphor. It says, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. God's name isn't cope, it's healer. And we can be healed if we'll let him heal us and that's what we need to do. And how do we do it? Yes, by surrendering our lives to Christ, but then by saturating our minds with God's word. If we're going to change how we think, then we have to change our programming. God's word helps us to cleanse our minds of negative thoughts that have saturated our lives. Look at how the psalmist said it, Psalm 119 verse 11, I've, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I've, I've reprogrammed myself, I've saturated myself with your word and it's, it's led to different choices. The key is this, when we saturate ourselves with God's word, we fill our minds with words of acceptance instead of rejection, words of of worth instead of the words of worthlessness we've been given before. We fill our minds with God's encouragement instead of the world's destructive message. We can change the way we think. We change the way we think by by seeing ourselves through God's eyes. Too many of us live such small lives because we see ourselves through the eyes of people who've diminished us or we see ourselves through our own eyes and we know what we've done but we need to see ourselves through God's eyes. Look at Psalm 139, 14, the psalmist got there. He says, I I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your your works are wonderful, I know that full well. He's saying, I finally have got it. I'm not a piece of junk. I'm not what the world has labeled me. I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm going to tell you this is really, really important. The, the way we feel about ourselves is largely determined by how the most important person in our life feels about us. This is Kids have no opportunity but to choose you know, their parents often or their guardians, whoever they are, is the most important person. Their world, their sphere is limited to that. And this adult figure that has guardianship is that person. And this is why when they speak powerful words of worth and value and beauty into those lives, the, the kids can be lifted up. But this is why when they speak abusive words or negative words, it can destroy. Because our... Our self-view is often determined by the one that we see as most important. So you know what the key is, right? The key is to make God that person. If we make God the single most important person in our life, you need to know all He does is speak words of truth and life and encouragement. He would never reject us on the contrary he loves us so much that even when we run from him he runs after us I, I did a series called the prodigal earlier this year and the, the talk on the fathers about this profound love the father has for us are you kidding me and, and when he's the most important person to us it can still hurt when someone says something atrocious to us but when we look at him and he's speaking worth into our lives which wins who's the most valuable and important person in your life if we genuinely want to experience god's healing in our lives then then we need to forget the past you know this is about moving forward if we're healed then we don't live as a cancer patient now we live as a as a healed person and same thing is true spiritually we have to forget the past the the community of failures that we used to be a part of and we need to be focusing on the future, the community of forgiven ones that we can be now and here's what I want to say, the past is not our future the past is not our future so we can't allow ourselves to get trapped in it, the only way the past becomes our future is if we keep focusing on it and moving towards it, you don't move forward by by focusing backwards. Our past may have been filled with all kinds of pain, but our future doesn't have to be filled with the same pain, but it will be if we keep living in and focusing on the past. Look at how Paul said it in Philippians 3. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Then he says, all of us then who are mature, who've truly experienced God's fullness in our lives should take such a view of things. Uh, There's a lot in that verse, but here's what Paul's saying in regards to this principle I'm teaching on this weekend. You're either living in God's healing or living in life's hurts. Which is it for you? focused backward or forward. When he's healed you, you have no reason to focus backward. It's no longer about what you once experienced. It's about what you can today and tomorrow experience because of him. He's the healer. If we genuinely want to experience God's healing in our lives, then we need to, once truly healed, share our healing experiences with others. We need to share it with others. And this is what God tells us our healing is supposed to produce in us. 2 Corinthians 1.4, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know what I've experienced in life is that someone who has a serious disease and then genuinely experiences healing from it, They become advocates to help others that get that disease to find that healing. They become proponents. They can't help themselves. I've experienced healing here. You can experience too. I mean, genuinely healed people genuinely reach out to heal others. Isn't it sad that so many who claim to have the healing of God aren't trying to help other people find the healing of God? This is when life changes. And this is what our care ministry is about. It's ultimate healing because... We can begin focusing on others because we're no longer focusing on ourselves. We can, we can reach out to others and help them because we're no longer having to spend our whole time focusing on our hurts. And So if you've got a hurt, you need to know there are people in this church who can relate to you and are willing to help you, and if you've been healed of a hurt, there are people in this church who desperately need your help and your encouragement. Why wouldn't we do this together as a community of believers? This is what we should be. And this is what I love about Susan's story. Susan's a part of our Northridge family here, and Susan's actually part of our worship team here at Northridge Church, but she's found healing and now she's helping others to find it. Here's her story.
2: The first emotion I ever remember feeling was fear. I had eight siblings. We were all homeschooled. There was a lot of violence. My parents would get mad really easily if we did anything wrong. Um, they would like hurt us and like hit us and slam us against walls and um like like shove us between things. I wanted to stay all the way because if you were seen, then that meant that you had a better chance of getting hurt. So I tried to just hide away and be good, and be silent. People would see bruises and marks, but we always I would just lie and say I fell out of a tree or. Make up something or be like, I don't really know. My oldest brother and I were were really close. He would always look out for me. He was like, Susan, just get out of the house as soon as you can. (laughs) When I was 14, he got mono and we just thought it was the flu. Two days later, he woke up to go to the bathroom or something and he collapsed and just died and his spleen had ruptured. It was after that where the world became really dark and I just wanted to go be with him because I felt like I couldn't live without him. It's at that time where I began to cut myself because it would numb the pain. I felt like I couldn't live in the house that I was in alone. And just when I needed him, he was gone. I remember taking a blade and slicing my wrist as hard as I could. It was like real, like I could die. When the paramedics came and looked at my wrist, they looked at me and they're like, I don't even know how you survived. That brought attention to the outside world. Like people noticed and my mom was like really mad at me, of course. And she said that, She wished that she had never called the ambulance and that I was a curse, and she wished she had never given birth to me. I felt like the only way to get rid of the pain was to die. I felt like it would never go away, and I felt like I could never stop cutting, and and I didn't want to live that way. I legitimately felt like the world would be a better place without me. When I came home from the hospital, um, I was always like, watch. Like I always had to be right next to my mom. I remember just waiting for her to fall asleep because that night I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go take those sleeping pills that my mom likes to take, and I'm going to overdose on them. I'm going to find them and I'm going to do it. So then I was just listening to music to make the time go by. And I remember this song came up and it was called Better Than Drugs. That was just like, just like a f- flicker of hope. And that's all it really took to have that doubt of "Mm, maybe I shouldn't do this, like maybe God is there. In college, the cutting escalated. And so I applied to this treatment program. It was a Christian place and I didn't tell my parents about it. (laughs) And it was like free, that's where I could go. It was the only place I could go. Um, So that was the beginning of just finding out who God was for myself, like sifting through like the lies. I remember that was the first time I ever felt the feeling of safety. I learned about like truth and like identity in Christ. But really when I was in treatment, it was worship that would help me to fight the battles. When I like opened my mouth and I would like sing truth through worship songs, about like the truth of who God was, and like in words that came straight out from the Bible, that became like my weapon, and it continues to like that's what I run to because that's the only thing that I feel has been able to like fight those demons away. At the end of the program, I decided not to go home, and um, that made them really mad, and they wrote this letter of estrangement that said that I was no longer part of the family. I felt like I wasn't gonna be able to live or survive. I didn't have anything. I didn't know where I was gonna live, how I was gonna eat, how I was gonna go back to school, like what my future looked like, I just had no idea. I applied for like grants and loans, finishing school, which was like a miracle. And throughout that, like God provided every step of the way, like so many times. I'm just thankful that I'm not being, for lack of a better word, hurt anymore and I'm not in that environment. But at the same time, it's still it's still like hurts and stuff. It's still like there. But I think it's just about remembering what God has done and that he is still here and he's always going to be here. It's a whole different world now. So I'm a music therapist now and I get to work at a children's hospital. Every day I get to bring music to kids and their families in some of their most vulnerable times. Whatever it is they're going through, I get to be someone who brings joy, peace, and hope to them through music. I know that the same God who was there for me and what he did in my life is the same God who can be there for them. Before, I used to look down on my arm and I feel really ashamed, and it would easily bring up like memories of how I had like failed and I could look and see how like, damaged I was but I got this tattoo as a reminder because it says God heals and it's the Hebrew root words in the verse Psalm 147 3 it says God binds mends heals and restores so instead of looking and seeing the past I can see who God is and what he's done. And instead of the label being scars, my new label is that God healed it all.
1: When we experience the pain and hurts that this world has in abundance, it's then that we're experiencing an invasion of hell into our lives. We were created to live in God's presence, to walk with Him. When we experience pain and hurt, it's, it's living in a world profoundly separated from Him, hell. But when we experience Him as healer, we can sing that song, we can say, even when it hurts like hell, I will praise him. To experience this healing, we have to, we have to open our hearts to him. Because if we don't open our heart to him, we, we can't experience him as the healer, stepping in and healing it. And when we experience the hells of this world, we, we tend to harden our heart and close our heart it's when we keep him out but it starts with opening our hearts this is why jesus said in the revelation 320 i i'm knocking on the door of your life you just have to open it and that was written to believers i believe we go through life and we're hurt so much that we start closing out the one we say we love the most and the one we need the most and we need to be opening the door of our life so that that we can be reflecting his healing instead of our hurts this is what we were made to do this is the gift some of you are here and you've never opened your life to his knock and this is your moment so before i give you the last couple of action steps if you would would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment whatever location you're at, wherever in the world you're at just bow in prayer and if you're a believer I hope that you'll be opening your heart to him but if, if you've not experienced him would you take my words in this prayer and make them yours and in your heart just quietly to God just say Jesus I, I need you to be my healer I'm not going to be silent anymore I acknowledge my hurt I acknowledge my sinfulness my need for you And I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross and rose again so that you could heal me of my sin and give me new life. And I'm opening the door of my heart so that you can do that right now. Amen. Before I give you the last two action steps, I just really want to encourage you, if you prayed with me, please let me know. We, in the program that we handed you when you came into one of our services is this connection card. It's just easy to find. It's a perforated little card. You just rip it out. But on there is a way that you can communicate that you just prayed to receive Jesus with me. And if you did, we've put together just a wonderful packet about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. And, and, and we are giving a Bible now to those of you so that you can start saturating your mind with God's Word and letting Him shape you instead of your hurt shape you. And I I hope you'll let us know. And then put the card into one of the boxes at every exit at all of our different sites, and we'll send that to you. If you're watching online, hit the What Next button, and we'll do the same thing for you. But once we've opened our heart to Jesus, then we have to realize that we, we still live in this world, right? And this world is still lived with with pain present and hurt present and betrayal present, all the stuff. And so even when we're experiencing the beauty, then the shadows start getting cast again. And so we need to then, we need to make the commitment to assess where we are in the healing, hurting process, you know, where, where we're at. And I have found that, that I'm in a different place all the time, depending on my experiences. And what you do is you, you take the, the truths of the talk that I share with you and you go, have I been acknowledging my hurt or hiding it? I mean, am I focused on the past or the future? Am I letting go of my resentment or am I living it? Am I am I living in my healing or am I living in my hurts? And you you do that. And then wherever you're at, then you take that next step. No, I'm still thinking the wrong way, so I need to change the way I'm thinking. So you then the next action step, you you commit to taking that step. What's that next step? And Don't think of 20 billion things you have to do, just think of that next step. I'm here in my hurts and I'm gonna take this next step and then you can take another step later. And I just really wanna encourage you, Northridge is here to support you, encourage you because we're all in the same place or we've been in the same place. Everything we do is to help you to move forward in your journey with God, your experience of Him, and uh, all kinds of things. One thing I'm doing on May 10th, it's just a week and a half or so from now, on a Wednesday night, for the very first time on a Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching Discover Northridge. And it's a, it's a, a discipleship class. It's a spiritual formation opportunity where you get to learn all the things that should happen as you wake up to Jesus and, and what can happen in your life. And then we share how Northridge can come alongside and help you in that process and And I just encourage you to come. There's a dinner because it's on a Wednesday night. If you're a young family, we actually have our kids ministry going on May 10th. And so you can sign up. They showed you the link. You can go to guest services. You can go to the website. I hope that you'll come. And uh, many different ways. The care ministry I talked about, would you please just start experiencing God's name? Because when you do, that's when you experience life and life to the full. So glad that you were here. Hope to see you next week. Thanks, everybody.